Hey folks, future Clayton here, checking in. Um, this is a, an abnormal episode of We the Peeps. In this episode, we are we're going to talk a little bit about soccer for like a second, a few minutes of that, and then we are going to talk about a subject that is is really important to us and I think everyone, and that's what it really means to be a fan of sports in the era of COVID and how do we grapple with the ethics of sports in the time of a global pandemic. So a few things on that note. First and foremost, for anyone who has, has lost a family member or who is in any other way uh, been especially deeply affected by this pandemic, um, we, you know, I, I wanted to let you know that, that that's really what this episode is about. Um, and it, it may not be the episode for you. And, and we totally understand that. And it's, it's by no means our intention to make this any harder for you than it already is. And our hearts, are, are, they, our hearts go out to you, um, genuinely. Uh, second, uh, if you are tuning in for a robust deep dive on the USMNT Rasta, uh, this is probably not going to satisfy that uh, desire. Uh, check out Scuffed. They did a, a great job. On, on the, the roster for this game. Um, and thirdly, uh, please know that this is by no means a political podcast in any way, shape, or form. And uh, you'll hear Ty mention that during the, the recording. Um, but uh, what it is, is a, a podcast about U.S. soccer fandom. And we have come to a place where we cannot continue to truly express our soccer fandom without at some point having this discussion. Uh, so we decided to, that now is the time. Um, and, and, you'll, and I think that the conversation we had here is a valuable one. And I, and I really hope that you, you get something out of it. And I, and I encourage you to, to listen to it, even if maybe it's not quite what you expected from today's episode. The final thing I want to say about this discussion is that we hope you hear your voice somewhere in here. You're going to hear three very different uh, perspectives on the matter, and we, and we hope that you, you can relate to something that, that's said on this podcast. However, um, if you don't, if you are someone who listens through this entire episode uh, and finds that your perspective was not shared about this issue, please, please reach out to us on Twitter at WTPPod. You can do so privately. I'm not saying this for the follow by any means. I'm saying this because we want this show to represent all U.S. fans. And if you are a fan of this team and you don't feel like your voice is represented in this discussion, uh, I want to include it. We want it included, and, and we will find a way. So please reach out to us if you do indeed listen through this whole thing and think, you know what, my perspective's not in here. Um, we want it. We want to hear your perspective as well. So with all that, all that preamble having been said, please enjoy this very special episode of We the Peeps. Well, well, hello folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know, sometimes don't want to know, and perhaps this time we'll uh, ignore completely about the Nats. I'm Clayton and I'm an artist. I'm Ty, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm Kwame and I'm a doctor. And we love the Nats. That we do. Always and forever. Let's figure this out. It's me, the people. 
Folks, welcome to a very special episode of We the Peeps. It's special for so many reasons. It's special because this is a camp we didn't expect to have. Uh, it is special because there are players here we didn't expect to see. It is special because Kwame is here with us. There's podcasters we didn't expect to have on this show. Uh, and it is special because this is... Upgrade. This is Upgrade. December. Upgrade. This is December 2020. And there's a lot to discuss. Folks, the angle we are going to take in talking about this game um, is a little bit different than you might be expecting. We here at We The Peeps headquarters have what I would consider to be a respectful uh, rift. Is that fair to say? Fair to say. There's a, there's Not a rift, just a, you know, just a difference of perspective on this game and and that's okay and we'll talk about it that's that's exactly right there are uh issues bigger than soccer in the world and it's time to talk about them folks we are living in the time of a pandemic uh there is very much at stake the stakes may maybe i don't know have never been higher and that's part of why we we brought Kwame on someone who has slightly more information than us about uh health in the human body um, but trust us, none of us know what we're talking about. Uh, but we're going to try to talk about uh, the ethics a little bit of of playing a game during COVID. So, uh, but so first, let's really quickly uh, just touch on a couple exciting things about this roster. I'm not going to read the whole roster. You can go online. You can find it. This is a very special roster pod. Uh, but I got to say, I for one am psyched to have a little Brendan Aronson appearance and a little Daryl DK as well. And we all know uh, that Greg Berhalter is pretty psyched on uh, Daryl DK. Kwame, what are, your, what are your first impressions recently about what you've been seeing from the Nats? Well, you know, my thoughts with this roster and then also with um, the European-based roster we saw for the last friendly is that they're seems to be a bit of a, a, a turn, a bit of a 180 in terms of the U.S. and its outreach to young um, dual nationals. Um, in this camp, uh, I think, you know, the one that stands out probably is Efra Alvarez, who, um, you know, is he 16 now, 17, um, playing for the Galaxy and was part of the U.S. youth uh, teams and then was part of that sort of post-Trinidad debacle and other stories that came about about the U.S. soccer's um, stance uh, that was less than attentive and less than welcoming in many ways to um, to dual nationals, particularly those of Mexican-American, but also other, um, you know, other, um, other sort of national backgrounds. Uh, but we see Efra Alvarez back uh, in this camp, um, and there are a few others uh, who are, you know, who are sort of dual nationals. Um, uh, Ayla Canola, um, who maybe not always think of, but he he's, you know, dual national, Sebastian Soto, a few others. And then also when we had the European base camp, you know, the, the big splash, of course, was Yunus Musa. Um, but there are there are plenty of others. And so it does seem as if there has been a 180. There was there was a lot of. Uh, angst, particularly that I felt, and I think a lot of U.S. Uh, soccer fans felt um, about maybe people like Yulianas and other people kind of slipping through the cracks, not being told where they stood. And that seems to have shifted. 
my thoughts on that, aside from being a really great thing and I'm really happy about that shift in the direction, even if Alvarez doesn't choose to be with us and Musa doesn't choose to stay with us, which are two very likely possibilities. But I like the turn. Um, in my head, I wonder how much of the turn is Burhalter, um, and how much of the turn is um, the presence of Brian McBride now as general manager, whose whole job it is is to in some ways be a go-between between U.S. soccer and various clubs and make sure those connections are strong. But then let's also not forget, we have a completely different U.S. soccer president. Carlos Cadero is out. Sunil Gilati was there before. Those two were very much joined to the hip. And then we have right now we have Cindy Parlacone, uh, who uh, you know was a former player for the women's national team. Uh, and without being very familiar with the inner workings of U.S. soccer, uh, when you have a different president and you've got a general manager and the coach is the same, but the approach is different, that makes me wonder and think. It's also possible that Burhalter has a lot of more time on his hands, and that's why he, you know, was able to prioritize this more. Or maybe this was always his plan. I don't know. Yeah, there's changes, and it's a and it's a ripple effect, right? There's there are many, many, many layers to this, but one of them is the women's team fighting for their rights, uh, and ultimate, which ultimately sort of led to the end of the Carlos Cordera era, right? Um, I also think, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about the, the World Cup, uh, which Carlos Cordero and Sunil Gulati got for us. Hosting the World Cup is, is probably a factor for some of these young dual nationals. But the Julian Gonzalez story seems to be uh, rewriting itself in real time, potentially with players like Efra Alvarez. Uh, before we move on, really quick, Kwame, um, I hate to do this to you. Y- y- you, can, you can say I have no fucking idea, but if you're Eunice Musa. What do you think? What do you think? Who are you playing for? Italy, England, U.S., or Ghana? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that the attraction of the U.S., and I think this is probably what they're pushing, right, is you clearly have this really young core that's re- playing at a very high level that is very fun, welcoming, um, you know, very, you know, they're very connected with one another. Um, Weston kind of being like the sort of uh, emotional sort of core, and then maybe Pulisic being like the that they're sort of spearhead and, and being the sort of most accomplished. And there's not a lot of competition in a sort of the older age bracket. So you can very clearly see if you're a 17, 18 year old that's really excelling, that there's a path for me to be part of the core of this national team for the next six years, which is going to include host it being a host nation of the world cup when i'm at my peak when i'm at the peak of my powers at like 25 26 Pretty and good opportunity yeah and that's that's the really appealing sell right um yeah. i think that with england he's been he's grown up in that system he's been the captain um england has the appeal of not only the World Cup, but the Euros, and then also staying close to probably where he's going to be playing his club career. Uh, I, I think I think there's a reasonably good chance that he picks the U.S., because I think that, that that opportunity to be a host nation for a World Cup is something that can't be offered by England. You heard it no here first, what. folks. Kwame guarantees that Eunice yeah, Musa will select, select the I U.S. I guarantee it. All right. 
Listen, there's bigger things than soccer. There really are. There are some things, believe it or not, that are more important than soccer. And it is time to turn our gaze towards an absolutely vital conversation that I, I must admit is probably not happening enough. So uh, what is the deal with playing sports during the COVID era? I missed soccer as much as the next guy, um, but there are many who feel that this is a huge Mistake and internationals in particular uh, bring a lot of people from a lot of places. One of those people uh, is our very own Tai Fujimura, who is and has decided to boycott not only this game, but all discussion around this game, which is why he has yet to appear on this here pod. Pod, 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 pod. Uh, Tai, may I please usher you in to this discussion and ask you to give us a uh, why, uh, how about we call this some opening statements, you know? Tell us, tell us why you've decided to, to boycott this game and, and where you're coming from. Absolutely. And that, that sounds uh, a little maybe more dramatic than I intend for my action to be. But um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, actually, you know, the, the first thing that I need to say, I just want to be very careful about this. This is not a political show by design. It's called We the Peeps because we want to represent and welcome every American to be a part of uh, this culture, this experience. We would never want anyone to feel excluded from this show based on our opinions about things outside the field. So we've been incredibly careful about that in the past to try to avoid uh, showing in some ways our own uh, opinions because we want people to be comfortable. So if you disagree with me, I just want you, I want to be very clear that I'm not saying that this is not the show for you. I'm not saying that I disrespect you. I'm not saying that we don't want you uh, as a part of this community. I'm. It's just a disagreement. And I think that, you know, Clayton and I probably have, uh, you know, differing viewpoints and we can explore those as a way to kind of discuss this. So my stance is that as a world society, we're going very much in the wrong direction when it comes to COVID. Just looking at the numbers, it, just in the U.S., we're losing between 2,500 and 3,500 people a day to this disease, dead. And the amount of behavioral change that we've seen between the summer and the fall does not match the extent to which the pandemic has become more and more dangerous. So over the summer, I felt that, yes, having MLS matches, you know, having, having football games with a couple of people in the stands, it seemed that based on the numbers, these things weren't causing too large of an impact. But we're in a situation as a society where the pandemic is completely out of control and we all need to take steps and make sacrifices again to stop it because we can't just give up on our efforts against COVID because we did it before. The reaction to this spike needs to be just as vehement as all of our reactions were in March and April. So I regret that we are in this place and I regret that it has impact on all of our lives, but I really do not believe that it's responsible to ask 
maybe 100, 150 people from El Salvador, from Europe, from around the U.S., from different places in Latin America to congregate in a American city and let alone to ask fans to come because fans are invited to be at this game. I think 2,500 fans. So for me, it's, it's in, irresponsible. It's in Miami, folks. It's in Miami. Miami. So for me, it's irresponsible to host this game. And I don't understand the, I can't quantify the amount to which this will perpetuate the pandemic. But to me, that's not really the point I'm making. The point is that we all need to get reacquainted with being uncomfortable and being made to not be able to do things because we are taking collective action right. to minimize the amount of voluntary movement that we have in our communities, yeah. which is what this disease uh, will will react we'll to. So on. we have There's, to be making these changes. Do you remember when and we, this is one symbol of that. Do you remember when we, first of all, Ty, let me thank you for going out on a, a, a limb uh, for taking, for, um, you know, using your voice for expressing how you feel not only to me uh, and the other people in your life, but also taking that type of a risk on this show. Folks, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, this isn't what I signed up for, I wanted to talk gnats, um, you know what, like, so do we. We we all want to talk gnats. Um, and if this is if this doesn't sound like the episode for you, we get that, you know, but join us again on, on, on the next episode or the one that follows that. Um, but I, I think I, I personally want to start this discussion by just acknowledging how, how much respect I have uh, for Ty for for bringing this up in a serious way and and for, um, yeah, for opening up what it really is an important discussion. And perhaps we do need wake up calls. Uh, and and this podcast could be that it could be that for me. And it, maybe it maybe it could be that for for you listeners. So first and foremost, thank you, Ty Asso, Ty Inyo, my guy. <laughs> Um, is there, is there any part of this for you that has something to do with, like, this feels like an extra camp, which seems like the opposite direction, right? Is that, is that, this was a camp that it seems like Greg Berhalter just really wanted to see Daryl DK play and scheduled this somehow, got everyone on board to do this. Uh, right. And it was never going to happen in the first place. Um, is that at all a part of it for you? Does, that, does this camp feel different than, than other camps, you know, than the previous camp? That's a great question, something that I've been wrestling with as well. But I, I realize I forgot to say, like, exactly what I'm doing. So, first of all, uh, yes. I personally am not covering this game. I'm sitting this one out. I'm not going to watch this game. This is going to be the first U.S. national team game in about 10 years that I will not watch. So that's going to be a very painful experience for me. I'm not saying that I'm imploring other people to do the same. I'm saying we all have our own conscience and I have to adhere to my conscience and my values. So I'm not saying that people are bad or wrong if they you know, cover this game or if they watch this game. You do you. But I think I want to make a statement about where I think we need to be headed as a country. And this is my tiny, tiny, tiny way that I can do that. So that's just, that's me. So to your question, if this were a World Cup game, yeah, fuck yeah, I'd be watching it. So I got to wrestle with that on my (laughs) moral side. Um, But, you know, I I think, yeah, the fact that it is so, uh, such a minor thing is part of why I have this reaction. It's like, in the in the uh, spectrum of mattering, 
a World Cup game still doesn't matter, but it matters more, right? It matters than more a less. friendly that wasn't supposed to happen yeah. with a bunch of B team players to play a, a lower quality uh, level of opposition. So it's it's like if there's a game we could skip. This feels like the game. Can we not you know? schedule new games? All right. So, and folks, you know, I am going to land on the other side of this. I'm watching the shit out of this game. And every minute of Nats that I can get during COVID, I'm going to take because I am <laughs> suffering over here. I don't leave the house and I don't hang out with my friends. And I have made uh, some major changes in my life that suck, and Nats is helping me through it. I didn't have anything to do with this decision to to, to play this game, and I'm glad I don't have that decision uh, to make. The the Now that it's happening, I'm watching it, and I'm going to enjoy it. And my understanding is that there is a safe way to do this. Now, I wish that we had the, the resources to have everyone tested effectively and, you know, to have everyone sit out who needs to sit out and get and do have everyone's job. School teachers, everyone's job should, should have the resources poured into it that this game does. My understanding is that this game is being safely tested uh, and that this isn't uh, going to contribute to the pandemic problem as much as me going around New York City and buying bacon, egg, and cheese would because I don't have those resources. <laughs> Kwame, can I uh, can I lean on you a little bit to speak to that? How how dangerous is this? Is it possible to to have a game like this that's just tested and we're good? We're all good. Well, I think part of the answer to that first we have to ask, you know, who's being tested, right? I think that it generally has been demonstrated that. Um, for a team, right, a small group of people with enough financial resources backing them can be tested pretty frequently, can be screened pretty frequently, can be isolated from one another pretty frequently. Um, And so for a brief period of time, people who are in a lot of contact with each other, you can really reduce the risk of transmission. And I think we've seen that in the sort of leagues and other internationals that we've seen thus far. Um, The risk, and then secondarily, if we're talking about the players primarily, particularly for this camp, you know, we're talking about generally very fit people in their teens and 20s um, who uh, are running around outside all day, and in some ways are they're in some ways they're sort of physiological outliers, right? To be a sort of professional athlete, you're sort of a physiological outlier in some ways in terms of lung capacity and all these sorts of things. So those, I'm really wishing there was like a Quitemic Blanco like player on this roster. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. be like, yeah. except for that guy, yeah. except for that guy. Uh, well, Blanco Quitemic, yeah. but. Um, so that, you know, the players, you know, you can have like a game, right? But I think one of the things that Ty brought up is I'm, all the I'm watching you, DJ them. Orgy. Be careful. Right. <laughs> He's immunocompromised. Yeah. We all know that. But, you know, the people around that, so like the support staff, yeah. the people who have to open up the stadium, the fans who come, the people who have to work like the, the parking lots, um, you know, the, the people working in the airport and the chartered flight. So there, there, there is a ripple effect from this game, just as there are ripple effects from any number of other 
from any number of other things. Um, and so can you have a large gathering of this sort? And we, again, we don't know how many fans are going to show up, but, um, but um, you know, uh, I, would, I would not be surprised if they get the sort of 2,000, 2,500 that they're, you know, that they're making space for. Uh, so there is a, I think there is a sort of overall risk that can't be avoided merely by testing the players. Now you could, uh, and so, but I think that brings me a little bit to my stance on the game, which is, um, this was a game that I, that I probably was not planning on watching, not out of any necessarily um, political or stance or you know desire to see it canceled, but because a one-off friendly um, be in, with the particular players that were able to call in at this period of time, in terms of where it falls by list of priorities and things to kind of look at and just sort of right now, it's not, you know, it's not super high up on the list. So it would sort of depend for me. I would probably record it if it came on the channels I get, maybe watch it. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a game that I was sort of actively thinking about. I was thinking much more about the politics and the things that I talked about earlier. But I do think the fact that it is, it essentially is an extra game right that i think they still are planning on doing the normal january camp um and i'm not sure if they have friendly scheduled in association with that but this is kind of tacked on and i understand why greg berhalter us soccer want to tack it on because they're saying you know we've we're trying to prepare for world cup qualification and olympic qualification and all these things we really want to succeed in and we haven't had the opportunity to have these players in together and i get that um where it where it does rub me the wrong way, and I think uh, a lot of where I line up is where Ty lines up, although not perhaps quite as far, is that it, it does not seem responsive to the current climate, to the current um, progression that we're seeing of uh, the virus in this country, um, particularly in particular areas um, and how much resources are needed. Um, and we seem to be okay with throwing a lot of resources in terms of testing at athletics, entertainment, um, you know, both college and professional sports um, in this country. And, um, you know, not as much in terms of uh, other people who might benefit from being tested with that level of frequency, um, whether that's, you know, there's certainly many places where nurses can't be tested with that frequency. Um, uh, dentists, um, you know, many other people who are, who are really crucial. Uh, and so if U.S. soccer was saying, we're going to test, you know, we're going to have this game and we're going to test it, we're also going to spend a million dollars making sure that like every person uh, in like the sort of my, uh, that a large number of people in the Miami area can be tested with the frequency of these players, right? Essential workers, et cetera. Then 
then I would be on board, right? Because then it would be reflective of, uh, you know, the, the seriousness of the situation. And then soccer could perhaps be in its sort of proper place as like a relief, right? As a, as a um, way for us to connect, as a way for us to be uh, entertained. Yeah, they, they, they do have the opportunity here to, to uh, make a difference in a positive way, even if they go forward with the game. Um, and so that would be encouraging to see. Uh, there's another angle from which I want to ask you guys about this, and it's a little bit uh, sort of, uh, yeah, it's general, or it's, a, it's, a, it's I'm zooming way, way out here. This is a, this is a philosophy podcast now. Um, it is, you, you got to live your life. You, you, you just have to. Uh, there is, there, you have to pick your battles in life. There are certain things that we can fight for in our lives and make an actual difference in, and the rest of it, we got to let it go because we can't fight every good fight that there is to fight. So as an example, the, it, it doesn't, I have not ch- chosen to fight the fight, for example, of uh, boycotting things like, like I'm not going to boycott the MLS because of the amount of flights that they take. And I think that global warming is a far more dangerous thing for everyone than this pandemic, you know? And it's not that I don't care about global warming. It's just that's not the, the fight I'm fighting, you know? There, there, I, I, there are certain things that fall within my purview, and those are the things I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to fight for, truly, things that I will specialize in. And then everything else, I will kind of uh, do my best, you know? I'll try to avoid taking flights. I'll, I'll eat a little bit less meat, you know, it's because I know that's, that's ultimately better for the environment, you know? There's, there's all these small ways in which I'll do, you know, what I can, but I'm not going to, like... Uh, take that extreme stance on everything. There's only a few things in my life that I'm going to take a very extreme stance on. Um, Ty, do you do you feel like this is that thing for you that you've decided this is what I have to fight for, or do you feel that that uh, this is you're, the, this is no longer a choice? That at this point you just it's yeah it's a, it's entered your sphere in a way that makes this not a choice for you anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a cornerstone thing that I'm going to bend my life to fight against that not at all. It's that it's over the breaking point to me where I can't, I, I believe that the fundamental reason that our society has not dealt better with the coronavirus is complacency and a gradual acceptance that things are going to get worse and worse and worse to the point where we have city blocks worth of people dying every day in this country of this disease. There, there was obviously an apt comparison to 9-11, right? A couple days ago, the death toll from COVID in one day was more than the number of Americans killed on 9-11. And this is the degree to which we've become desensitized to the fact that people will die of this disease. So I think if you if you took somebody from, you know, December of 2019 and you put them in the present moment, they would be appalled that we would even consider playing, right? The reason that we're in this position is because everybody has been through a 
you know, nine month, you know, first hardcore, then not so hardcore quarantine process with, you know, where everybody has made tremendous sacrifices and everybody feels like, damn, you know, I did my part. I, you know, I tried, it didn't work. Yeah. And I think that's the wrong attitude because the, those people for whom their family is being devastated by this pandemic, which is millions and millions of people, you know, it would matter to them if their loved one was still alive. Yeah. So for me, it's, uh, I I just, it's not that it's like, I'm picking this as my, my hill. It's that I don't want to continue kind of blithely leading my life the way I would, which includes doing this show, which I adore and watching the Nats, which I adore. And I, dude, I watch, you know, you 17 qualifying, (laughs) like, I find the time, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) it's so, so, you know, for me, it's just a bridge too far, but I I was going to actually ask if if it's okay. I was going to ask Kwame a question because you, Clayton, you said something really interesting, which is like around your mental health. And I think there's, I've heard an argument around like that, you know, sports is important for societal health, which I think is, is a valid argument. I can attest to that personally. So I'm curious, like as a, a psychiatrist and a you know uh, mentally health minded person, what you think of that uh, stance? Um, well, you know, I certainly think that community is uh, is incredibly important, and sports and soccer certainly is a way for many people to feel in community. Um, uh, it's something that people can find that they look forward to, um, that they can sort of be excited about. Um, I think certainly not just watching, but the degree to which, you know, a high level game like that, people playing, um, or still remaining physically active is, is, uh, is certainly crucial. And so I, I think that, um, in in a time where a lot of people are more isolated than they normally would be, um, whether that's isolated sort of completely by themselves or simply, you know, sort of fewer connections or more broadly speaking, that a lot of the a lot of the ways in which they would normally um feel connected and grounded, um, manage and regulate their, their moods, sort of find meaning. A lot of those are not available to them, right? So whether that is, you know, attending things in person or, you know, I know a lot of um, artists, right, uh, professional musicians, they can't perform in front of people, which is deep to their core, like of sort of who they are. And it's utterly disorienting to not have that, um, to not have that in their lives, to not have that, uh, have that avenue. Um, And so in that, I think there is a way in which um, things that we can watch on TV and also feel communal can have, a greater importance. Um, I'm not saying that it's all the, I, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, all of a sudden this sort of necessity or this great, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, panacea for what ails us. Uh, but, but I do think it's, 
I'm desperate to see Daryl DK. There's a fun. There's for some reason the the highlight reels on Daryl DK often have like Russian commentary or something. So I was hearing a lot of Daryl Dyke, which I thought was (laughs) hilarious. Uh, I don't know why that is, but well, so we're getting we're getting close to the to the end of time here. There, unfortunately, uh, you know we probably can't come to a resolved, clear cut you know, solution here. The reality is there's three of us here in this room in this discussion. There are three different ways of approaching this problem and we're all right and we're all wrong. Uh, and, and we're just going to have to live through this together, the consequences we share, no matter what. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and do some, some closing thoughts here. You, what do you guys want to leave the people with tonight? So my closing thought is that I think as a society, we should be reviewing our priorities. And so I think what Kwame said is very wise, as usual, about, you know, the, the mental health uh, effects of, of, of uh, sports bringing people together and giving people something to think about and focus on. And I, I definitely remember when the European leagues came back uh, towards the end of the, the spring this year, that was a substantial boost to me personally, being able to sit down with a cup of coffee on a Saturday morning and be able to, you know, watch some of our, our players play. Um, but I think we're in a position where, you know, my, uh, kids school is shut down. So there's no school in person for at least a month. Uh, even before that it was an abbreviated schedule. So, and we're still dealing with these situations where, um, you know, healthcare professionals are at risk. So I think we need to make a giant list of the things that we would like to have back. Uh, and we need to correctly put sports in contrast with some of those other things. So I think as a society, we can say we need to make sure that people aren't dropping like flies in nursing homes. Check. We need to make sure that healthcare professionals are safe. Check. We need to reopen our schools. Check. Then we get to go to Thanksgiving with each other. Then maybe sports. So I just think it's a matter of prioritization and it's like, if we somewhat prioritize everything, we end up not prioritizing anything and everything suffers. So that's my stance. Can we take just 100 of the, just Neymar, Messi, we get a little, you know, just, just one, uh, 20 of the best soccer players in the world and they just play each other over and over again. How I'm for that. that. <laughs> the, so I will say, I will say, okay, the bubble, the NBA bubble was fantastic. MLS bubble was, was perfectly you know, COVID safe. I don't think there were any cases outside of like people coming in originally with COVID that they then left. Uh, NHL bubble was the same. The bubble works. The NWSL did it first. for a bubble. The NWSL didn't work, you said? No, did it first. They were the oh, first did it bubble. First. Yeah, they, you know. Just chime uh, in there. Yeah, side note. Side note, right? There, there's, there's, a, there's a whole world of soccer that we haven't even spoken about on this pod for a minute. Um, Kwame, what, what do you want to what do you want to leave us with here uh, for tonight? It's an ongoing discussion. Uh, life continues. We'll be we'll be checking back in with you. It'll, I think Kwame, if you're down, it'll be me and Kwame talking about this this game. I don't know. Maybe just me talking to myself. Maybe I'll call <laughs> call my dad. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> we'll um, I would say my final thoughts. So I I agree I agree with a lot of what Ty said. I would say that. Um, I think one of the things that has happened, my view of the pandemic, and Ty, you talked about complacency, and I think that that's, 
I think that that's part of the story. And of course, anything that's complicated is going to be a complicated story. Uh, I think that we have uh, struggled to... I think that part of the people reason people are are fatigued is that some of the things that we have been doing have been um, less effective, but still energy draining. Um, and I think some of the energy that um, some of the things that perhaps would be higher yield, you know, we were we were slow on. So, you know, testing being one of those things that we were very, very behind in terms of testing and therefore being able to identify and isolate. Um, we've had uh, a very, 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 very weak stimulus, um, which has meant that people have had more pressure on them financially in terms of health insurance and people make different decisions when they are under that sort of pressure. Uh, they seek relief um, in different ways. Um, their thinking may be less long-term. They're more likely to think, again, you know, there's all these studies in terms of like scarcity. So um, I think it, it creates a situation where they're thinking more about their own individual risk um, than the risk for, of, of, you know, sort of communal and sort of global risk, right? A lot of that arguments around masks are like how effective they are in terms of, and people tend to think of that effectiveness in terms of protecting them when actually the primary goal of the mask is to reduce the likelihood of, of spread um, so that you get, you don't get a, a, these sort of exponential growth that we're seeing now. Uh, and so I think that there has been a great deal of, you know, confusion and, and, and noise, and that has led to people kind of spinning their wheels individually. So that's part of why I, I feel like I would love to um, recognize that people are really hurting in deep ways, and that I think that soccer is something that we potentially could give to people quite safely, but it has to be part of a whole bunch of other things that we're giving, that we're giving people, you know, um, I, I think there are all sorts of things in terms of financial support, rent and mortgage and food and all sorts of things that lots of other countries have successfully given to their citizens have shared among each other. And I think we haven't, we haven't done that. We've, um, you know, we've uh, we've allowed a situation where the companies and leagues that have the resources to put their leagues on um, and operate under that model are kind of allowed to do so. But again, it's sort of isolated. It's not within a, it's not within an overall uh, communal picture. And that detachment, I think, is what is what I grieve the most. Um, and so. Yeah, I think that's perhaps part of why I feel in between about about all of this and may or may not watch. I don't know. I agree. It's a great point. I I am incredibly sensitive to the real world pain 
people who can't work. Yeah, I'm a lucky bastard who gets to work at home and it's easy for me to forget. But there are people who are really depending on, you know, are hoping for things like this to happen so that their economic prospects can improve and that matters. Daryl Dyke. All right, <laughs> like Daryl DK. <laughs> Just like Daryl Dyke. Uh, okay, well, until next time, folks. Jeez. Uh, well, I like that show. Static. Until next time. Until hey, we, next time. we love everybody. We love, we, we, we love everyone. We love the it's Nats. It's been good to be with you all through uh, this, oh, yeah. through this mess. I like, and we're, we're going to be here on the other side. We're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to be here on the other side. So will the Nats and uh, hopefully as many of, of you and your loved ones as well. Folks, I like uh, that show Sister, Sister, but it gets weird. And it's fifth season. It seems like the, there was, it was purchased by someone or something really strange happened there. Uh, really, really like that show Static Shock. Uh, that's a superhero everyone forgets about. And uh, great time and great music in that show. Low key. Uh, and I love the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. The first few episodes of that show are... Uh, so deep and age very well as opposed to so many other shows from that era so check them out but I don't love any of that shit as much as I absolutely love the Nats it's we the people it's we the people it's we the people it's we the people let's go Daryl Dyke He's a he's a Russian plant. He's, it's, it's some sort of weird propaganda why? Why maneuver. Is this, like what and why? Maybe it wasn't Russian. Maybe it was a different language. I don't know. I don't know what it's that was. weird. I would have That's known weird. if it was Spanish. It wasn't Spanish. Tim Tim Vickery talks a lot about uh, some of the players getting pronounced in fun ways in Brazil. Like uh, <laughs> maybe yeah, Portuguese or whatever. Like Emil Emil Heskey being. Emily Heskey <laughs> and uh, Jonathan Woodgate being Hujigashi. <laughs> I like I like <laughs> hearing Pay C J for P- yeah P- C J yeah. yeah who is that P P S G oh yeah of course uh, who else oh yeah also uh, Red Bull is Hedgebo. <laughs> <laughs> so like you know po- it sounds enjoy. like a pokemon <laughs> yeah hedge a bow hedge a bow